With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are now listening to the Dynasty Rewind. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Dynasty Rewind. I'm your host, Michael Byer. The best in the business is once again back in business. Joined, as always, by my faithful ghost. We got Chevin Nooney, man it down there. How's it going, Chev? It's going good, man. Everybody's doing great in mini camps right now. It, it's it's awesome. We're going to have the yeah. greatest fantasy football year, I think, of ever. This is going to be great. Every player is uh, they're going to be in the Hall of Fame. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Speaking of Hall of Famers, we got our very own Bob Van Duzer holding it down. He's filling in for Nate, the professor Christian, who will be back next Takes week. Every single inch of it. Yes, you're right, Nate. Thank you. That is true as well. Bob, how are we doing over there in Wisconsin today? I'm doing well. It's raining. It's my favorite weather to be around always. I don't know what it is, but the rain just. Why right al- does that just describe you so I well? Love, that you- I love <laughs> rain. It's great. Man. Rain, rain is, is beautiful. Amazing. I'm a big partly cloudy guy myself. That's what uh, I like both. Nice little breeze in there, like 70 degrees. Nice breeze. Mm. That's where I'm at. It's just beautiful funny because like rain. people see rain and they're like, oh, and Bob sees rain. And he's like, oh, just. The best noise is like when the rain's like hitting like a metal carport or something like that. I don't know why that is just so soothing to me. Just hearing mm-hmm. the rain like that. Very I don't know. Soothing. Put you asleep. That's right. And I'll tell you what, there are some players in your startup draft that can put you to sleep as well. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to avoid them. We're not going to talk about anybody outside the top seven rounds, which is about the top 84, except for me, because following directions is not something that I do very well. But we're going to tell you who we're avoiding. Why? Is it the value? Is it the team? We don't know what the expectations are and who we are drafting instead. Bob, we are going to kick it off with you. I'm going to go ahead and disagree right off the bat, but I'll tell you about it later. Go for it, Bob. That is fine. And I think one thing that should be noted with this is like, you know, just because we're avoiding these players doesn't mean we think they're bad or anything like that. Again, don't hate players, hate values. And a player whose value I still hate, at least in the concept of a startup draft, is Javante Williams running back 19 off the board, ADP of 68. I think this value is decent for what it's worth, but particularly if I'm a team looking at competing in 2023, not interested because I don't trust the player. Don't trust the player coming off an ACL tear plus more than just an ACL tear. So in general, I'm just avoiding Javante Williams. Zach brought up a great point in last week's podcast about when you're in a startup draft, aiming to take players whose value is more likely to increase rather than decrease, or at least at worst, stay the same. We want a player that's going to stay you know, especially those top players. We want players that are going to stay the same. Prime example, and I'm not even going to get into it because it's a poor example. But <laughs> moving on, 
So I don't see a realistic pathway for Javante Williams this season as he works his way back from that torn ACL. Like I said, we've seen it enough times with running backs coming back from that ACL tear not do well. Unless your name is Adrian Peterson or Jamal Charles, you have not bounced back from your ACL tear in the last 20 years, respectively. So missing games and underproducing will not cut it for any running back that you are likely drafting to be your running back two depend- with where he's being drafted. Probably a running back two, possibly a running back one. Mm-hmm. And if you need that this year, if you're trying to make a push this year, in general, I don't want a player whose value is going to sink over the next year, in my opinion. So I wouldn't advise somebody to make that move otherwise, too. So who I'm drafting instead in this range, specifically, if if I can, I'm looking at locking down my tight end position with TJ Hawkinson right in this wheelhouse as well, ADP pick 71, mm-hmm. or possibly trading back a few picks and drafting Damian Pierce, who's being drafted a round and a half later per DLF's ADP. So there's a world where I could draft TJ Hawkinson now, and I can go draft Damian Pierce with my next pick and get a running back who I believe is going to do better this year and thus improve his value going into next year. As why I'd rather take Hawkinson, you can never go wrong with locking down a top tight end option. As for Damian Pierce, if you're set on adding a running back two in this range, add one that's just as young, that doesn't have the injury concerns right now, did have injuries last year, but it's not the same damage long-term as what Javante is going through. And this guy producing a bad offense that just got better. And this offense made significant improvements, primarily at quarterback on the offensive line, offensive coordinator. That's a great trifecta for improving an offense over an offseason. So with this, you not only get to add a running back whose value will increase over the next year and outproduce Javante this year, in my opinion, because I don't believe Javante is going to produce this year reliably. But if you're trading back or waiting around, you add significant value on top of what would be, in my opinion, a wasted pick on Javante Williams. There's a discussion to be had if you're aiming for next year, but I still don't want to play the game because his value is just going to dip. And I don't want to play the game riding out value dips on my roster when I'm, I think we can predict that pretty accurately, but Mike, I know you disagree. Why are you wasting a pick on Javante at this point in drafts? I never waste picks unless I'm drafting <laughs> on MFL because I just don't know how it works. Sorry, but get with the times, MFL. Um, I, I see your point. I do. And I don't I don't necessarily disagree with your point because why draft him now when you feel that you could buy him cheaper than whatever the no. startup value would be, you know, next offseason. That that's no. your whole value here. Now, my only question is as prospects, you probably like Javante Williams better than Damian Pierce, I would imagine, right? Yep. I can agree yeah. with that. My, my only argument is to say, do we want what we think is the better player in a better offense? I think the Sean Payton offense is going to be better than the Houston Texans offense. I, I think sure. we're really splitting hairs here. If you want to wait around and you want to draft Damian Pierce, I don't hate that, to be honest with you. You know, it's one of those things, too, where if I'm coming into the season with Javante Williams as my running back, too, and, um, you know, I have a really good wide receiver core, maybe I got a good tight end, good solid quarterback, probably Jared Goff based on my my things that I do in the last podcast, I'm okay with rolling the dice. You know, he's he's participating in OTAs, and I know everyone looks great in OTAs, Chev. Jonathan Taylor's not participating in OTAs, which is a little concerning to me. So I'm enthused, and I'm optimistic. Javante Williams. You're, you're rolling a dice where five sides say he's not going to be good this year, <laughs> and half of a side says he might be good this year. 
Well, I just what kind of dice is this, man? Is that some weird <laughs> dice? The, the type of dice that has a lot of history on its side and on a lot of sides? All righty, then. I don't know what kind of dice that is. Probably some weird game I've never heard of. Like, it's one ACL dice. That's what Sean's saying that we're rolling. Sean, you don't look as terrifying this episode, by the way. I want to say that. So, Bob and I are going to agree to disagree. Chev, you're the tiebreaker here. What are you doing? Yeah, and I, I understand what Bob's saying. Like, this is a great player to maybe not draft, but, you know, trade for him halfway through the season mm-hmm. when he's struggling a little bit. That is what Bob is saying. He's not saying, I hate Javante. Yep. He's saying, when you start up your draft, you have to decide if you want to win or lose. If you want to start winning right off the bat, it's not drafting Javante. It's drafting TJ Hawkinson, which I think if you can draft TJ Hawkinson instead of Javante Williams here, that's, that's a home run of a pick. And that's why, you know, I'm kind of on Bob's side on this one. You just have to know your expectations when you're drafting Javante Williams. You just have to know, if I'm drafting this guy, it's not a guy that I'm really hoping he hits a home run in the first seven games. It's maybe those games after that I'm really hoping for. But your real expectation should be the year after is what Mm -hmm. you're expecting his value to just really go up after that. All right. I'm actually looking right now. I did draft Javante Williams in the Rewind Crew League. I actually drafted him in the fourth round. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. On this ACL dice, one of the sides should be um, you have to give up your ACL. If you that was my, it was quite a, a run. My my startups were uh, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, Jonathan Taylor, Javante Williams, and Najee Harris. So trying to load up on those wideouts, and I got two other solid running backs in there. So I drafted him as my running back too, but then I got Najee after that. So he's coming in season as, as my running back three. Um, so how many picks see. was in between there, Mike? I'm just curious between Najee and Javante because I think I feel like yeah. I would take I would take Najee before Javante if I had to be honest at this 100%, point. Yeah, how totally many amazing. running backs were picked between or yeah, or just players in general, whatever. Um, well, if we go just running backs, it was Saquon, Josh Jacobs, and Kenneth Walker. Um, Drake London was right after Javante. Anyone wants to say anything about Drake London, but um, yeah, there wasn't a ton of picks, there was eight picks between Javante and Najee. Okay, so 10 team league. I think you got lucky to get him. Well, I got I like it. I'm admitting I got lucky, and look, sometimes we have to rely on some luck (laughs) when we play this game. That's for sure. Better be lucky than good. That's sometimes right. So, Chev, tell me who you are avoiding. Saw this on here today. Can't really say I disagree in a startup. Who you got? Yeah, and this is just a guy that I'm just being super cautious with during a startup draft. Tyreek Hill was a wide receiver two this last year. His ADP is at 34. He's going to be getting drafted at wide receiver 10 at that spot. You know, he's going to be, he turned 29 recently. So, I mean, there's still plenty left in the tank with him. My worry is he spoke about retiring in 2025. You know, yes, I get it. You don't want to play a whole bunch of years. You want to stay healthy and stay as as good as possibly as you can, like mentally and physically and whatnot, and have to go through it the rest of your life and play to your 34 and whatnot. But, you know, that worries me. You know, if he's thinking about retirement now, what happens if Tua gets hurt? What happens if he is not the quarterback anymore and he has to figure out his way with some other bum that they have on their roster? Like, that worries me that maybe that decision could come earlier. 
if he gets an injury, if he gets a concussion, or if he hurts one of his legs, like he is the wide receiver he is because of his speed, and he is just so much better than some of these cornerbacks with that speed. So it just really worries me to have him talking about this at this moment. You know, he wants to be a gamer in the in the in the future. Hey man, I, me too. Let me get paid for playing video games. I love that, but that just really worries me at this point. Still has plenty in the tank, like I said. But if I am worried, if I am focusing on the future, I much rather go after guys like Devonta Smith, DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith, and the Jigba. You get that youth, and you get more years in the future with them. You know, I still think Tyreek Hill is going to be a top wide receiver. I think he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver pretty easily. You know, he does have Waddle battling there with him as well. I don't know. I just think if if you have him, you're a competing team, great. But I am not drafting Tyreek Hill with much expectations after two years because I just feel like he's thinking about retirement. Who knows what could happen? Plenty left in the tank, though, but I'm just worried that maybe he just – like, yeah, F it, I'm done. I've done all I needed to do. I'm one of the best wide receivers in the league. I'm out. You know, I just rather have the younger wide receivers at that ADP, though. I think Devonta Smith is another wide receiver that showed pretty well last year. He has a great quarterback playing with him, even though Mike thinks he's not that good at this point. But Jalen Hurts is yeah, – yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of. But Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. DK Metcalf has a good quarterback with him as well. Jack Smith with Jigba, same quarterback. But I just want those younger wide receivers at this point that's going to give me a few more years on return. You know, that this is a really tough one for me because, look, in all reality, I think about retiring all the time, but I got into 30 years to put in. Um, I get where you're coming from, but it's one of those things like, do we want are we okay with playing the hashtag two, three year windows people have said and doing it and just taking Tyreek Hill for what it is. Is he one of those guys that we're just okay to let him kind of like die on your roster? Like Travis Kelsey, you just keep rolling him out there until you can. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what are you pairing him with? I think I can't either agree or disagree with this until I'm in the draft and I see what my roster is like, because he's one of those guys where like I could, if I'm pairing him with like, let's say I somehow get, Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill, I'm going to just try to win this damn thing right yeah, now. For sure. And if it doesn't work out that way and I don't have any wide receivers and Tyreek Hill is the first guy that I could take, I'm probably just going to, you know, when you're looking at it and you're looking at ADP, I, I might grab a Najee Harris or a Mark Andrews even and then just wait on wide receiver a little bit. So this for me is not a yes, it's not a no, it's a situation dependent. Um, but I completely understand where you're coming from. Bob, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm kind of in that gray area as well. One thing, when I'm in a startup, I don't like to be locked in one way or another in, yeah, in yeah. the early rounds of my draft. And, and, like, I think it's cool to go in with that, like, oh, I'm going to compete year one. I'm going to just punt year one. Whatever the case, I think it's cool to do that. But I think what drafting Tyreek Hill does, it does lock you in one way because there's not – you don't have a four- or five-year realistic window with Tyreek Hill. In fact, while I actually, Chev, you mentioned the retirement thing, I actually like the clarity. I like not having to kind of count our guesses every year and be like, well, is is this going to be the last year? This dude has set us a expiration date, basically, of when his value (laughs) is set to be driven off a cliff. And if his his production dips in the meantime, cool, I guess. You know, it it, it is bound to happen with aging wide receivers, but... Mm -hmm. 
you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, going back to the last bit to where we were talking about his value is likely to dip because he's just one less year you're getting out of him. Production probably set the dip at some point too, especially with such a quick twitch guy. I mean, he's still probably going to be a top athlete in the league. Even if oh, he yeah. dips 10 to 15%, he's still going to be in the top for 90 sure. percentile probably. But, mm-hmm. you know, for wide receiver that relies on that so much. Yeah, I'm like, like you said, Mike, I think if I have a good basis already to where I think I could build up, build upon that, if there's, you know, let's say this draft is favoring youth and like everybody, oh, just taking all the young guys early and then letting everybody else go. Yeah. The competitive, the more competitive pieces. Yeah. I'm going to be all in on Tyreek Hill. But if, you know, people are playing it more like redraft where guys are just, hey, they're good right now. They're good for a short time, not a long time. Here for a good time, not a long time. Get it. Yeah. I have a tough time with Tyreek Hill. He is one of those with his ADP, he does fall into a massive gray area. And, you know, it kind of depends on what your stomach is for him, I guess. I'm just being super cautious with them. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. I think he falls into that, a good boat of discussion Mm -hmm. for that. And just for the record, if you wait a little bit, he's wide receiver 10. Wide receiver 11 is Drake London. So throw that out there. Mm -hmm. No comment. Should be wide receiver one. But to a guy who's not my wide receiver one, one outside the given ADP, and that's Marquise Hollywood Brown. His ADP is 85. He's wide receiver 31. So, look, I actually like Hollywood Brown. And like Bob says, like Nate says, like I say, like Chef says, hey, we don't hate players. We hate value. But the problem I have is this is good value. But a lot of times I'm trying to win year one in startups and the Cardinals, they should just be called the Arizona question marks right now because you don't know what's going on down there. They're going to have to likely turn to Colt McCoy for the first part of the season. I don't know if that really does anything for anybody. Maybe it does something for Colt McCoy's book. I can tell you that, but not so much for my fantasy team. He was wide receiver 44 last year. He had 67 catches, 709 yards and three touchdowns. Honestly, that seems about right. I feel like if he finishes that year that way again, that's a good year for him. That equates to about a wide receiver four on your team. And although he could slide up into the third tier of wide receivers, if he's given enough volume, I don't know if the Arizona Cardinals offense is going to be on the field enough to give him volume guys that I'm drafting. Instead, I'm going to take Christian Kirk. CDP is 87 wide receiver 32. He's wide receiver 12 last year. Jahan Dodson. ADP is 91 wide receiver 30. I mean, look at the value here. I think he has a better season than Hollywood. Mike Evans, people are drafting him at 103. His ADP, the disrespect. I understand there's quarterback questions there. We've seen Baker Mayfield in the past be able to support a wide receiver one on his team. I don't remember if they were wide receiver one overall. Hey, who knows? If it's Kyle Trask, maybe he could do it too. Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, the guys like this. And hey, look. You want to just really get save some value. Greg Dortch has no ADP, none at all. And no, Bob, I don't say F Rondale Moore. I've just never been a Rondale Moore guy. Hey, fun stat for you. The Cardinals have one hell of a tiny starting wide receiver lineup. Hollywood Brown is their biggest at 5'9". Rondale Moore is 5'7". Greg Dortch is 5'7". Andy so, Isabella last year with them too. That was small. He was released, was he not? Yep. Yeah. yeah. That never really panned Rip. out. Bad. 
I don't know, I feel so bad. So um, I think any of these players that I listed, except maybe Greg Dortch, um, I'm oh, just talking about value bother. there. I think that they can have a better season than Hollywood Brown. A lot of these guys are in better situations too, although Juju Smith-Schuster, you never know what the Patriots are going to do. But, Chev, do you agree? Do you disagree? Yeah, I agree. I am not in on this Arizona offense. I canceled my season tickets with these guys because I knew it was going to be a miserable year. Couldn't do it with these guys. Kyler, if I was the Cardinals, Kyler's sitting out the whole season. There's no reason to bring him in. It's it's a dumb decision if they do, in my opinion. They got to keep him healthy and just get him back to health as soon as they can. But, you know, don't rush the kid. Let him get back at his own time. But Marquise Brown's already battling with a foot injury. He's already sitting out with an injury that already happened a while back. This guy cannot stay healthy. He's just a, not a guy you can rely on week in and week out. If he's in the game, he's, he's solid. He's going to drop a few passes here and there. But I don't know. I just cannot trust the guy. I was told he is a better value than Amari Cooper the other day from somebody in the league. I don't know how. I just decided to say, hey, you know, no worries, man. We'll we'll talk about trades later because I was not ready to have that conversation with him. So think about that. That I'd rather have the sex talk with a child. Not a child, my child, for the record. I'd rather have that talk than <laughs> edit that out. Yo, <laughs> I'll disagree with with this. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna fade Marquise Brown as well. I will also take Christian Kirk and Jahan Dotson, especially mm. Um, over him. I don't know if I'm taking Mike Evans um, because of the age. And I do think that that cliff is kind of coming for him yeah. um, in what looks like a rough offense. But you talk at value. I'll take Juju Smith Schuster at value all day over Marquise Brown for sure. Um, I, I happily take him up, you know, several picks above that. And, you know, when it comes to the Rondale Moore versus Greg Dorch conversation, you look at when Rondale Moore was healthy, which I'll be honest, wasn't super often. No. Greg Dorch was a non-factor in the offense. Yeah. So just for some fun facts there, I guess. But One yeah, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Finish up. I, I was just gonna say that I, I'm definitely out on Marquise Brown. I think he's a great sell right now because and part of the reason why I think having him on this list is fine. This is May's ADP. Still, we don't have Junes yet. And yeah. with the cutting of DeAndre Hopkins, I think there's a good chance Hollywood Brown is actually going to be rising in ADP yeah. once we see a new yeah. stretch of ADP coming out even and I think there's discussions to be had but you do have to wonder what the quarterback situation is going to be it, I do have to imagine that Kyler will make his debut or his return some point this season yeah. which will tremendously help Marquise Brown but up until that point I think he's a guy I'm going to let somebody else draft him just like I would with Javante Williams I'll let somebody else draft him mm-hmm. and I'll go get somebody else later or I'll go get him later for cheaper because he's a young enough asset where he's going to be good for a few more years yet. Can he, you know, really put it together and stay healthy is the major question, but who knows at this point, mm-hmm. only played a full season once in his four year career. So uh, that's something else to think about there, but Hey, listen, if you want to get to a Cardinals game and see Greg Dortch in person, start planning those game yeah. day trips to support your favorite team. And Hey, where can you find the best ticket prices for sporting events seat geek nowhere else seat geek is your one-stop shop for all things live events and offers the best prices available between creating an account finding your event picking out your seats and making your purchase it will only take you minutes and when you use promo code dynasty rewind you will save twenty dollars on your first 
SeatGeek purchase. Sign up today and enjoy event an event tomorrow. The link is in the description of both the video and the audio pod. Got it in there for you. Or you could just go see the Indianapolis Colts and find out who Bob is avoiding. Bob, who are you avoiding in your startups? And also, how dare you? I know. That was from the fantasy community as a whole. <laughs> I know. I'm going to ruffle some feathers here, and that is yeah. A-OK. -okay. I am avoiding, in my good conscience, because I can't draft him, I'm avoiding Anthony Richardson at ADP 15, quarterback 11 off the board. And I've noted many a times on this channel that I'm on the leaning on the side of a positive trajectory for Anthony Richardson. Mm -hmm. And I'm more comfortable taking a swing on him in a rookie draft because I have, I can have a catered situation to him right off the rip. I can have a rebuilding team. I can have a quarterback situation in place where I can let him develop whatever the case is. So I'm more open to that and I can justify taking that shot, but I can't in good conscience advocate for drafting him this early in a fresh startup draft. Much like I don't want to, you know, push myself one way with drafting Tyree Kill, like I talked about with Chev. But I understand the upside. It's top six, given that athletic prowess. But this is likely the second pick you're making in your new dynasty league. And there's a decent enough chance that he's currently your quarterback one for now until you possibly draft a vet or two later. And I don't want to spend the rest of this draft or a good chunk of my future drafts covering myself if this pick doesn't pan out. And that's the big thing is if it doesn't work out, we have a long list of players that don't work out when they don't have much for college experience. You know, most recent line to draw is Trey Lance. I know it's not an exact justification, but yeah. there's some discussions to be had, some similarities to be had True. there. But if you're making this pick and you're willing to adjust your draft strategy throughout the board and geared towards a, hey, if this doesn't pan out or, hey, I'm just looking at next year now, mentality mindset i can live with that but i just think it does push you one way very early in your drafts if you were planning on going that way anyway if you were planning on being a year one punt team fine i don't hate it as much because you're going to be geared up for a if that doesn't pan out you're probably building an asset pool worthy of handling that if it doesn't pan out so i do think he can have a solid rookie season um because he does have a nice rushing floor he has the coach he needs. We talked about that this was mm -hmm. the ideal landing spot. Shane Sykin, who has experience working with Jalen Hurts, not saying they're the same player, but similar skill sets that can utilize his rushing ability while he acclimates as a passer. And I think we can, ju we can just all acknowledge he has some growth to have. He has some developing that needs to be done. But I think my biggest issue with him in general is when people try to call his development a sure thing and just draft him blindly as if that is already the case, that he's already making these sweeping developments. So mm -hmm. I just think I am not okay with doing that as a person and as a creator of things. But when I'm talking about who I'm drafting instead, I am probably, if I'm set on drafting one of these top quarterbacks, I'm going to go look and see if I can just trade up into the first round from my second round pick and grab someone like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And, you know, hey, Lamar Jackson has been known to fall in drafts too as long as you're not drafting with Nate. He's been known to kick around a little later in first rounds than he probably should. True. And, and I know neither of those guys have had a true breakout yet, but Lawrence especially has had some really nice developments, and he has an excellent situation to build along with having uh, Dougie P as his coach. Great offensive weapons, the whole thing. And field situation is improving as well for his prospects, You know, adding some offensive line help, adding a weapon in DJ Moore. 
And the, th the thing I really enjoy about this is you can still build your drafts freely. You don't have to go one way or the other. You don't have to be competitive. You don't have to be, you know, a, a rebuild right off the rip. You can kind of see how the board falls and kind of go from there. You know, if the sh and then some other names I'm looking at in this range, if the Sean Watson isn't available, seeing that he's on average going to pick ahead of Anthony Richardson, I'm going to be looking at Deshaun Watson, say the picks are flipped. Then I don't even have a chance to draft Richardson, but you get it. I'm interested in Kyler Murray, um, but that is another pick that you kind of push to next year right away too, so I don't love that. But you can trade back a few picks, grab two ADP of pick 22, so about like eight that. picks later. All about it. Slide back, get some value on top. And if you got a quarterback in the first round, you know, instead of drafting another quarterback, go lock down wide receiver one, go get A.J. Brown. And the last thing I'll touch on is I think the community as a whole needs to just chill out on drafting the players that could be and just settle on drafting the players that already are what you want those players to be. And once you do that, I think, you know, minimize risk. Why, why take risks early in startups? These are some of the most valuable picks you were ever draft with in a startup draft. Why take unnecessary risks? Mm -hmm. And you want to come at me with, you know, the Trey Lance upside discussion. Trey Lance was being drafted as quarterback nine last year. And look how that's turned out. I know it's been injury, but the injury has taken him completely off the map. And I don't think that happens if they're sold on him as a quarterback. Not every player is Trey Lance, not every athletically gifted upside player is Trey Lance, but I just, why take the risk? So I know the comments are probably already blowing up, but <laughs> I still want to hear what you guys have to say too. Look, I agree. He's quarterback 11. If he was quarterback 21, Yes, just slide back a few picks. You know, we yeah. don't. We just don't have to do this. You know, I, I, even if it was, you know, if I could get him at the back half of the second, early third, I'm probably in on it. In mm -hmm. all honesty, but at this point, it's it's tough to build around that pick in a way that makes sense in any other case outside of a year one punt. Yeah, I mean, he went at the. I think he went late second in our draft. Two ten, yeah. uh, courtesy of Jet. It was called the Jack, courtesy of Zach. Oh, because it's Lumberjack. So Lumber Zach, that's what it should be. Oh, yeah, so we went at the, uh, the 210, which I guess is fine. I, I probably wouldn't take him before the end of the third, early fourth, personally. I'd rather just get a more established quarterback who's still young enough. Like if I could get a Joe Burrow, if I'm going to pay the, the high price, I'm going to do that. I'll take Dak Prescott over um, Anthony Richardson right now, too. But Chev, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's just same thing. You're tempering expectations on him. Like we know he's a project. Like he's a guy that has to work on some things. And I think once the combine happened, all of that talk about him being a project, him being somebody that has to work on some things, all went away. It all changed to this guy's an absolute monster. He's a stud. You know, the stats didn't look too great at Florida. They're not super yeah. great. So I am not in the boat of him being super great to start off his career, which I never had those expectations. So I'm not too worried about it. But if you're going in thinking, man, I got the a studly quarterback, the best rookie quarterback in this draft, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be great year one. I think maybe he could pan out in the future. You know, he's got a lot of talent around him, but I am not ready to make the case where he's going to be a top 12 quarterback right off the rip in the NFL. I just don't – I just yeah. see too much he needs to work on, and it's not a bad thing. It, you drafted him knowing this, and that's just where I'm at with him. 
yeah. A lot of people are comparing him to Cam Newton. Let's not forget, Cam Newton did throw for 4,000 yards his rookie year. He also threw 17 interceptions. So, yeah. I, I, I think the, the last thing I'll say is if you're going to make this move, trade back from your first-round pick to go back to get Anthony Richardson, and then you're already setting yourself up for a improved pick in the startup draft and a, a you know really nice rookie pick next year. You know, find a way to make this pick make sense outside of just drafting him for the upside. Because in all honesty, like that's that's really what he is. And you know, he's great rushing floor, but if he can't do it through the air, that's where the issue is. And he has a great arm, arm talent through the roof, but can he put it all together? I think he can. Yep. But I don't want to, as always, part of my ethos. I don't want to pay up for what I'd have to pay out a player that's already do already doing that. I don't want to do that. So that's all I got. Yep. Love the word ethos, by the way, Bob. Me too. Um, Chev, who are you also avoiding in your startups? Yeah, and that's going to be Rashad White. His ADP is at 64 at the moment in May, RB17. I honestly think that offense is going to be kind of a stinker this upcoming year. I know we have some good wide receiver talent there, which I think they'll carry that team a little bit. Running back wise, I mean, this team was the worst, the absolute dead last in rushing yards, rushing attempts, and TDs last year. And somehow, Leonard Fournette was an RB1 last year. I have no clue how he did it. Probably catching a lot of passes if I had to guess. You know, Rashad White caught a lot of passes last year too, but I don't know if I see an offense led by Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask doing the same thing Tom Brady did last year to kind of help that team get to where they were at. So that's kind of where I'm at on this offense. I don't think the running back is going to be the vocal point. I think it's going to be Godwin. I think it's going to be Evans throwing a little Kate Otten in there, Mike. And I think that's how the offense is going to progress this upcoming year. I know it's better to do in the run game if you don't have a great quarterback, but I don't know. I just don't see that being the strong point of this team after last year, what happened there. So I know they're missing some linemen, but I'm I'm just not willing to take Rashad White at 64 and RB17. Expectations, you know, I, th I think he'll actually have a good year. I don't think he's going to have a bad year. It's just not going to be RB17 kind of year. I see him being more of an RB2 at 21 through 24 range at best. I just think that rushing game is going to be a little bit harder for him to progress and get those fanny point, fanny points, fantasy points on the ground. Um, but, you know, I don't think he's going to have a, a terrible year, especially with Leonard Fournette gone. Should, should open up some more in the passing game for him. Players that I rather have that are getting drafted after him, Javante Williams, DJ Moore, TJ Hawkinson, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson. It's one of those things like we were just talking about. Like I've seen these guys other than Javante at this point do it. I've seen them put up fantasy points. I've seen them play consistently. And that's what I want when I'm drafting at that point. I just think that's a little too early for the hope that Rashad White pans out. You know, I think these players, like I said, going to be heavily targeted. I think they have a better shot of being closer to wide receiver one or tight end one than White does to RB1. So that positional value as well, I think these guys are better at this point. And these guys just have more opportunities than what I think Rashad White's going to be able to do in this offense. I don't see this team being super great on the offensive side. Who knows how many, how much they'll be out there on the field. 
could be a defensive battle for this team this upcoming year. But I'm I'm more willing to say DJ Moore, Hawkinson, McLaurin, and Deontay Johnson, who I know Deontay, I mean, he's, he's going really late, it seems like, in this ADP. The guy saw 144 targets last year. If he would have put up some touchdowns, he would have looked a lot better. And I expect that to change this upcoming year. So, man, if you can go get Deontay Johnson for where he's going now, I'm, I'm super thrilled because the target's are already there. You know, we change. I think me and Bob both changed up our perspective. Like, you know, big body wide receivers aren't the move anymore. Let me go get these slots guys that are getting targets. And that was probably the best decision I ever made because these guys actually score fantasy points consistently. And that's what you want. And I don't know if Rashad White's going to be consistent enough for you. Chev, I agree. And also to answer your question, the reason Leonard Fournette was a running back one last year, he had 73 catches. Yeah. Um, but looking at guys going in ADP after him, Derrick Henry. Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce, three guys right off the rip that I think could have a better season than Rashad White. Going down more, Joe Mixon is all the way down there, running back 25. Alvin Kamara, running back 30. Still, I haven't heard much about his suspension. We got a lot of speculation. David Montgomery, uh, you know, Brian Robinson could have a better year than Rashad White for all we know. So I completely understand. I agree with you. There's other players that I'd rather take in that range and then just wait on some of these running backs yeah. later. For sure. Although I am a Rashad White fan, is this value? If he was a couple rounds later, I'd be all aboard. Bob, what say you? Yeah, I, I'm 100% in agreement. I'd rather have TJ Hawkinson, McLaurin, Deontay Johnson over him as well. I think if he's if you're able to slot him in as your running back three, and you already have a decent wide receiver room built out, and your tight end and quarterbacks figured out, that's fine. But we're talking about now drafting him in the seventh, eighth, ninth round. So this right now, not real close to where his ADP is. He's getting pushed up more because he's a pass-catching running back, which is great. But I do think he's pretty limited in this offense. If you have your team established by that point, you're having a hell of a draft. I'll We've say done that. a lot of trading down and good <laughs> yeah. trading down. And, yeah, a lot exactly. of trading. Ends up trading up. Yep. Yeah. All right. So we got one more running back that we are avoiding, and I am avoiding Kenneth Walker the third. His ADP is 38. He's running back eight. I think this will be adjusted by when June's ADP is coming out, but I'm yeah. going off with what I have right now. So he finished his running back 18 last year, 228 carries, 1,050 yards, and nine touchdowns, but currently being valued at running back eight. That would have been acceptable prior to the NFL draft. But listen, the Seahawks were like, no, man, we love Zach Charbonnet. I think the best case scenario is Kenneth Walker duplicating what he did last year. That's best case scenario for him right now. Charbonnet is going to take some snaps. That and look, JSN's there. It's possible that the Seahawks are going to throw more in 2023. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, JSN. Got three really good wideouts. It's going to be hard to keep all these guys off of the field. And Kenneth Walker, he didn't have much in the receiving game. 27 catches, 165 yards, and no touchdowns. So not a big pass catcher in the NFL. Didn't do much in college either. Just going off what I see here. Guys that I'm going to draft instead, if you want to go running back in this area, go with Josh Jacobs. His ADP is 47. He's running back 10. He was running back three last year. Mm-hmm. Hello? It's a no-brainer to me. Ramondre Stevenson, ADP is 52. He's running back 12 last year. Nick Chubb. I'm sorry, he is running back 12. Nick Chubb, ADP is 60. He's running back 15. Or you could punt some more and get better value with Rashad White. If instead of, 
I know we said we hated value, but I'm just saying Rashad White's value is better than Kenneth Walker. There is a possibility he has a better season than Kenneth Walker because Rashad White does not have the competition that Kenneth Walker does. I'll take a shot for that. I think Kenneth Walker will uh, be a little better than Rashad White, Mike. You know what? Sean, put it on the board. I'm going to take Rashad White. There we go. There's also a bevy of good wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterback in this range. I'm going to bring up the ADP instead of just putting on the sheet because I like to cause problems on purpose. First, I go back to all. <laughs> That's a toxic trait if I ever heard one. Jeez. This guy, he doesn't follow the rules. We said top 84. He goes to 85. He's just nice. one of those guys, man. That's, That's what I do, man. So look at this. After Kenneth Walker, you could have your pick of guys like DK Metcalf, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Najee Harris, Mark Andrews, Jason we talked about, Jared Goff if you need a quarterback, Russell Wilson, Ramondre Stevenson, Debo Samuel, Michael Pittman, J.K. Dobbins. It goes on and on and on. There are players who are going to outperform Kenneth Walker. Guaranteed. Wide receivers, running backs, tight ends that you are getting way later than what you're paying right now for Kenneth Walker. I think it's foolish to draft him that high. It sucks because I like Kenneth Walker. I was really excited about him when he was getting drafted. And when he got drafted by the Seahawks, I was excited. Unfortunately, we have to adjust what the NFL is telling us. And the NFL, and especially the Seattle Seahawks, are telling us, hey, guess what? Kenneth Walker, he ain't it. And if he's not in the NFL, he's not going to be it on your fantasy team either. Chev, I'm ready for you to agree with me. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Kenneth Walker, but when Charbonnet went there, that really hurt. To me, adding Charbonnet, that's just adding another good running back because they didn't have anybody else to turn to other than Kenneth Walker last year. DJ mm-hmm. Dallas, I think Eric Hom- or Homer was out there like doing his thing for a little bit. They just didn't have anybody else. So I see this kind of as a depth piece, but Charbonnet is not just a depth piece. He's a guy that can take over a running backfield. And he could be a, I think he could be a three down back if I had to be honest on certain teams. I think he could possibly do that on, I agree. you know, obviously now it's going to be a little harder for him to do that. But I, I love Zach Charbonnet. I think Bob and you are on the same page with me during the offseason. And they had JSN. So not super thrilled with what that offense is doing at this point for Kenneth Walker. I still like him. But, you know, for me, I am pushing him back a little bit more than where we're at at this point. And they also drafted Kenny McIntosh as well. So, sixth Hold round. On. Not much, but he's there. Bob, agree, disagree, yay, nay? Yeah, I'm I'm 100% in agreement. I think you you don't draft a depth running back in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, Charbonnet is going to get work, and they've already talked about how he's going he's gonna to be the guy opening up the screen game, which, I mean, makes a heck of a lot more sense than Kenneth Walker because he actually has some pass-catching pedigree even though I don't necessarily believe it's great, but he is he's not a liability out there, unlike Kenneth Walker, who has proven to be somewhat of one. I 100% prefer Josh Jacobs and Ramondre Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Love both of those players. I really like Ramondre Stevenson over um, Kenneth Walker at this point, especially when you talk about the values you're getting these players. I mean, a good a, you're getting Stevenson a full round later, basically, and yeah. I, I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. Can't uh, can't really argue with that much at all. Yeah, and I believe Ramon J. Stevenson, <clears throat> he doesn't have the competition either. Tom Montgomery, Pierre Strong Jr., who I actually think Pierre Strong Jr. is going to have a decent enough year. Kevin Harris and J.J. Taylor, Damian Harris, not there anymore. So give me Ramondre, give me Josh Jacobs over Kenneth Walker. 
And that's all we got. That is our show. And listen, you know what you could do? You could go get some tickets on SeatGeek.com using the promo code DynastyRion. $20 off your first order. $20. That buys you half a beer at the stadium. Come on. What better? Head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash DynastyRion for some more awesome banter like this, bonus podcast, which we're about to go record, and you get to DM me. I actually answer. Patreon.com forward slash DynastyRion again. Save 10%. Sign up for the whole year. Underdog Fantasy, use promo code Rewind for a 100% match on your first deposit up to $100. Hang out with Dan. He'll see you in the lobby. And until next time, everybody, when we have the return of Nate Christian, Chevin Nooney, and the Bobcat Bob Van Duzer, I'm your host, Michael Bauer. Be kind. Please rewind. Thank you for listening. 